We had a fantastic time in VBS this week. Many of your kids were a part. Many of you were volunteers. Thank you so much for serving this week. Uh, we had over 90 kids registered. I think 85 was our high attendance night. Just an incredible week. Miss Jen did a fabulous job. And so when you see Miss Jen out in the building today, thank her. Organizing, uh, encouraging, and motivating everybody. Just a fantastic week, as you could see from the video. Thank you to those of you who uh, brought your kids. It was, it was an excellent week. I mentioned uh, we are finishing up a series on generosity, and we've talked about several different ways to be generous, and several of the, the ways that we've talked about being generous uh, are kind of difficult, you know, if we're honest, they're, they're a little tricky. Um, financial generosity can be difficult. It can be difficult to talk about. It can be difficult to, to listen to, and it can be difficult to carry out, to be consistent with that's kind of a hard one uh, we talk about being generous with our time and we all feel busy and we value time and we try to manage our time carefully and as we said when we talked about that topic when you value something as much as we tend to value our time it can be very difficult to give away so some of these some of these patterns of generosity they're they're kind of challenging we're going we're gonna to land the plane softly, though, this week, because we're going to talk about the easiest way to be generous, absolutely easiest way. It doesn't cost any money. It takes almost no time. You don't have to rearrange your calendar or your schedule. You don't have to wait for a holiday to do it. You, you don't ha it doesn't have to be the perfect moment. You can do it any time. This is really one of the easiest ways you could be generous, and it's being generous with your words, being, being generous, generous with what you say. And, and, and by generous with words, I'm not talking about quantity only. We know people who are generous quantity-wise with their words, but they, they tend to complain all the time, right? They have criticisms all the time. They, they, they are very generous in the sense of quantity that they go on and on about how terrible things are. I'm not talking about quantity only. I'm talking about a quality of your words. Generous, gracious, hopeful, inspiring. And to the quality, you could add quantity. Like we could never get enough of those words. We could never get enough of encouraging Words and, and, and people need that today. In, in the world that we live in, there are, there's a lot more criticism, there are a lot more cynics than there are encouragers. People need to hear generous words, gracious words. You've probably seen the quote or, or heard, heard the quote, everyone you meet is fighting a battle, so be kind. Or, or sometimes it's phrased, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about, so be kind. Like Everybody goes about their day, and most people go about their day as if everything is fine, but almost everybody you encounter, almost everybody you meet has something going on under the surface. There's a weight, there's a disappointment, there's a struggle, there's something they're trying to figure out, and they don't broadcast that, they don't tell everybody. But you pass those people every single day, and your words could make a difference in what they experience that day. It's, 
It's one of the interesting things about being a pastor is that I hear from a lot of you when, when life is hard. I, I hear from a lot of you when you're struggling with something. And so we come to worship on a day like today, and, and I often know that there's somebody here, and they are singing to God not because everything's perfect in their life. They're singing to God through the challenges that they're going through. And, and hardly anybody else in the room knows it, but, but I know in some of your lives that there are hard places and there are real struggles and there are real challenges. And most people don't know that. You know, the, the people that you encounter at work, the people that you see on a daily basis, they are just like that. You, you don't see everything that's going on underneath. Studies continue to to show that after the last couple of years, right, all the, the things, well, we won't enumerate them, all of the things of the last few years that more people are experiencing anxiety than before, more people are experiencing stress, more people are experiencing depression, more people are struggling than ever before. This is the world we live in. These are the people we rub shoulders with every single day, which is why you and I need to be generous with our words. We need to be gracious with our words. Here's a proverb. This is Proverbs 16, 24. Solomon says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The Bible gives power to words. It gives power to the things we say to one another. And, and Solomon said thousands of years ago, Look, gracious words, generous words, encouraging words, they're sweet like a honeycomb. They give, they give healing to the inner parts of ourselves, healing to the bones. That's his metaphor for like way down deep. When somebody's generous and gracious and encouraging with their words, it does something inside of us. You and I have that sort of power. The problem we face is that even though our words can be like honey, I think our experience in the world is we experience more bee stings than we do honey, right? We get, we get more of the sting than the sweet in the world that we live in. The, the online world we live in, definitely, right? A whole lot more sting than sweet. The everyday conversations we have with people, a lot more sting than sweet, a lot more pain and less goodness, the stinging, biting, painful, and less of the healing, soothing, calming. But here's the thing, it doesn't cost anything to be gracious with your words. It doesn't cost anything. It hardly takes any time just to be gracious with our words, that's a, a really good evaluation for your language, for your conversations, for the words that you use. When is the last time someone walked away from you and they felt sweeter in their soul? They felt healing in their inner being because of the conversation they had with you. That's, that's a really good way to evaluate the conversations you're going to have going through this week. The word that's translated healing in, in the translation that I'm using can be translated medicine. Gracious words are medicine. They're healing. They're life-giving. They're strengthening. They're encouraging. You and I have the power 
to give this to other people. Now, we have the power to do the opposite. Like I said, in our world, a lot more sting than there is sweet. James makes this distinction in his New Testament book, right? He says, look, your, your word is like a, a small spark that can set a forest on fire. Yeah, be careful. It can be used dangerously, but the Bible also says on the other end, your words, your conversation can be used to, to heal. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Anxiety weighs down the heart, the, the heart but a kind word cheers it up. And we, we live in a world where People are weighed down with anxiety, weighed down with stress, weighed down with worries. And, and, and they're real worries, like they're not made up. And people are carrying real weights, real struggles in their life. And your words can help with that. Your words can lift some of that burden, can, can give healing. And look, I, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic. I, I'm not saying that a few words solve everything. Sometimes we need ongoing counseling. Sometimes we need therapy. We need people to help us walk through depression and anxiety and stress. I'm not trying to be simplistic, but I would say this. There's probably not many of us or any of us in this room who are qualified to be a professional counselor. Like We're not qualified to offer that to somebody. Probably not many of us in this room or any of us in this room who are qualified to truly offer psychological therapy to somebody else, everybody here is qualified to offer encouragement. Every, every single one of you, you have a license to offer encouragement. You have the ability, you have everything that you need to offer that. And the, the proverb writer says that matters. That's important. That can help heal people. That, that can give people strength. That can change their attitudes. And, and maybe they still need some other help. But you and I can be a, a part of that puzzle of encouraging somebody. Again, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic. But I, I do wonder in this age of stress and anxiety and worry and, and depression, I, I wonder if we could prevent some people from ever getting there if enough of us decided we're just going to be generous with encouragement. We're just going to say those things to people. We're going to make sure people hear that. And, and, and maybe that person stops short of ever getting to that point because we were generous. This is, this is what I think. I, I, I believe most people in the world are in an encouragement deficit. They're just in an encouragement deficit. A lot of sting. A lot of criticism. A lot of cynics in their life. Very few encouragers in their life. But man, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great if, if we decided as a church, as individuals, we're going to be a part of balancing that scale out. Like, like the world has enough critics. I don't need to contribute to that side. I'm going to contribute to the healing side, though. I'm going to make sure the people that I'm around, the people that I interact with, I'm going to make sure they hear words of encouragement from me. They, they're lifted up when they're around me. When they leave me, their soul is stronger, better, healthier. The commitment I'm asking you to make today. Commit to allow the sweet to outweigh the stings in your words. Just commit. 
I'm going to monitor this over the next week, two weeks. I'm going to monitor this, and and I want the sweet to outweigh the stings in my conversations, in the words that I choose to use, in the way that I interact with people. I, I want the sweet to outweigh the stings in the way that I speak to my friends, in the way that I speak to my coworkers, in the way that I speak to my spouse, in the way that I speak to my kids, in the way that I speak to my parents, in the way that I speak to the person who serves me at the restaurant, to the the person who checks me out at the grocery store, the people who are in service industries, the way I interact with them. I want to allow the sweet to outweigh the stings that come out of my mouth. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul says, look, get get rid of all unhealthy, rotten conversation. Get get rid of those things that tear down. And, And I get it. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Right? Maybe you're like me sometimes. My brain, my words get on a track towards what's negative and critical, and they just keep running down that track. It happens to me, probably happens to some of you. Paul says, you got to interrupt that. Right? you gotta, you got to cut that off. you you got to get rid of unwholesome talk and only allow what is beneficial for building others up. Colossians 4, Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone like sometimes we might be tempted to think okay we're at church we should all be encouraging and when we're around other believers we should all be encouraging paul says no 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 look when you're with unbelievers when you're with outsiders your speech still matters what you post that unbelievers are going to see, it still matters and it should be seasoned with salt. It should be distinct. It should be different from the way other people talk. It should have this grace-filled seasoning to it, this winsome nature, this nature of goodness. Whether you're talking to believers or unbelievers, your conversation should always be one of grace. And generosity so that people can experience healing by what you say. Here's what I've experienced in the world. No one in the world is suffering from too much encouragement. Like, I've never met that person. I've never started complimenting somebody or, or started encouraging somebody and they went, whoa, 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 I got enough of that. Like, that's, I don't need to hear anymore. I don't need any more hope. I've been inspired enough. I don't, I don't need any more encouragement. I'm just like running over with it. Can you pull back on the encouragement? I have never encountered that person. There's nobody in the world walking around with too much encouragement. Nobody. You're not going to meet anybody this week that their encouragement level is at the top. So why don't we do it? Like if we operate in this world where there's often an encouragement deficit, if we we never meet anybody who has too much encouragement, why don't we step into this? There's probably a lot of reasons, right? Probably a lot of, you probably come up with better reasons than I can. Let me give you just a couple. One is we don't offer this freely because we think we're too busy, right? And maybe we are too busy, but 
but we always think we're busy even if we aren't busy it always feels like we're busy we got to get here we got to go there we got to check this off i got to take the kids here i got to pick the kids up from there i got to do this appointment i've got this business meeting and then i got to do this thing then we got to get home and then i got to get up and i got to do it all over again and and we stay in this constant motion state and because we're in this constant motion we don't see the people that we pass we just think we're too busy to stop and do that it's sort of like that weird thing that happens sometimes when you're driving when you're when you're driving to a place you're familiar with like you make the same drive every day maybe it's you going from home to work or or work to home or, or work to school to pick up the kids. You make this drive five times, ten times a week. And so you know it so well that have you ever had those days where you're driving and your brain kind of goes somewhere else? And you start having a conversation in your head or you start thinking about something. And then suddenly you're there and you don't remember like the last two turns. You know you made them. Our, our subconscious mind does this weird thing. Don't try to do it. Okay, don't. I'm not talking about that. It's like sometimes we know it so well, we're paying attention, but we're not paying attention, and we kind of miss, we can't really remember all of the trip. In our life, I think we're so busy going places. Like that's the point of our day. The point of our day is to get here and to do that and to get here and do that. And we get to the end of the day, and we don't even remember a lot of the people that we passed that day. We don't even remember a lot of people who were in the office with us that day because our mind is on, I got to do this, I got to do this. Doing all of that, if you're a follower of Jesus, isn't the point. I, I know that you have a job and you want to keep that job and you want to keep getting paid so you can live indoors and, and eat. I, I know all of that has to be done. But sometimes we treat our life as if the whole point is just to get from this day to that day, to get this thing done and then get that thing. That's actually not the point. People are actually the point. People are the point. And you read the life of Jesus? His Father's will and people. Those were the only points. His Father's will and and most often his father's will was to encounter people, engage with people, love people, encourage people. People are the point. We don't always live our life that way. We live as if everything else is the point and miss the people that we pass. You know that there are only three things that are going to last forever. Three things. God's going to last forever. He, he has eternally existed, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He has eternally existed. He will eternally exist forever and ever. He's going to last forever. We're told His Word is going to last forever. We're told it will never fall away. Flowers are going to fade. Grass going to wither. Word of God's never going to fall away. It's going to last forever. And number three, people are going to last forever. Anything else you encounter in a given day won't last forever. And so much of my day, maybe so much of your day, I am in a hurry to do the things that are going to last a week, and I bypass people who are going to last forever. I'm in a hurry to do a project that's going to last 24 hours, and I'm passing people that are going to last forever. Like people are the point. 
People are going to live forever. And you and I, we, we have this ability to encourage. We have this ability to lift them up. We, we have this ability to provide something that will, that will be medicine to their soul. But we think we're so busy. Another reason I, I think we, we don't offer encouragement as generously as we should we think people already know whatever we're going to tell them. We think they already know. Right? Well, they already know how I feel. They, I'm sure somebody's told them. They already know they do a good job. They already know that, that I'm thinking about them. We think they already know. How do they know? How do they know if you don't tell them? How do they know if somebody doesn't say it? And how do they know how you feel if you don't say it? It's just... It's one of our ways of getting out of being encouraging, isn't it? It's, it's one of our ways of getting out of actually having to verbalize it. Is thing. I'm sure they already know. I'm sure they already know. I told them like five years ago. So they, they know. I've already, I've already told them. Somebody, I heard somebody tell them. I, I, in, in what I do, I encounter people all the time. And people don't know. They don't know. You think they know, but they don't until you tell them, until you say it, until somebody says, I just, I saw this in you and I just want to say it. This meant so much to me when. I saw how you, they don't know. Another reason we don't offer generous words is we think it'll be weird. Can we just be honest? We think, oh, that would be so weird just to walk up and say that. Just, I don't really know them, or I really know them, and it would be weird for me to say that. We think it'll be weird. Who does that? Like, who just walks up and encourages somebody? Generous people do that. That's who does it. Generous people who realize the Bible says your words are so valuable when you give them away to somebody. It's like honey to them. It's, it's medicine to their soul. People who realize what the Bible says about the power of our words, they do it. And we stop short sometimes because we think, oh, that'll be so awkward. And it might be. I mean, it might be the first time or the second time or the third time. If you want to be a generous person, why not just commit to do it enough that it's not weird to you anymore? Why not just say, the reason it's weird to me is because I don't do it enough. I need to do it more. I need to be more generous with words of encouragement until it's not weird. Until I just encourage people. Another reason, speaking of weird... We're afraid we might give too much encouragement. Some of us. That's where some of us are. Okay, it's weird, but we're afraid it's going to be over the top, right? Oh, it's going to be too much. Like, if, if I encourage them too much, then they're not going to realize they still need to work on some things in their life. Like they aren't perfect. And if I give them too much, they're going to get the big head. They're going to think they're perfect. They're going to think that they can just be lazy. Like we have all of these weird things in our head when it comes especially to people we see regularly. I don't want to build them up too much. They still got a lot of work to do. They still got some bad habits. Like I don't want them to think that, that they can just relax because there's other things they need to work on. They're not perfect. 
again, just my experience just to, as a person, as a pastor, I really don't meet people who think they're perfect. I just, I don't. I mean, some people, pride, arrogance, maybe there's a little of that, but I don't interact with people and walk away and go, man, they just think they're perfect. I meet people all the time who think they're not enough, though. All the time. I meet people all the time who are wondering, struggling in their inner being, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing it the right way? Am I enough of a spouse? Am I enough of a parent? Am I doing enough for my kids? Am I doing enough at my church? Am I doing enough in my community? Am I enough at my job? Are they going to replace me at my job? I meet people all the time. If we have an honest conversation, they're going to say something along the lines of, I don't know if I'm doing enough. I don't know if I'm being enough. I don't know if I'm doing it right. All the time. You know what helps with that? When the people who love them and are around them come around them and say, you're doing great. I'm so thankful for you. These things are so good. I'm just telling you, people don't internalize that as, okay, I'm perfect. Nobody internalizes it that way. You wouldn't. If I told you something encouraging about you, you wouldn't internalize that as, oh, pastor thinks I'm good. It would heal that part of your heart, and, and then there would still be questions, right? You'd go back tomorrow, and you'd start thinking, man, I'm still not sure I'm enough. You and I have the power to step into those places of not enough in people's lives and say, from where I'm standing, you're doing great. I'm so thankful for you. Instead of hearing that, instead of life and words being sweet, people are stung these days. People are so stung by words. When I was a kid, I had, I guess you'd call it kind of a mild allergy to bee stings. It wasn't like we got to get to the emergency room right away. It wasn't EpiPen worthy. Nothing closed up. But I would swell. I'd get this huge knot on my head if I got stuck. It would hurt for days. And we put ice on it and take Benadryl. And I grew up in South Georgia, so somebody always wanted to put tobacco juice on it, so which is basically spit it was always somebody who wanted to do that it would hurt and it didn't go away immediately that's what people are walking around with in the world we live in because words are so biting and cynical and critical and condemning and there's so many arguments people take their own lack of encouragement and lash out at other people and it hurts and it doesn't just go away. The swelling doesn't just go down. And God said, the Bible said, you and I could do something about that. We could be medicine for that. I don't know if you want to be tobacco juice, but we, we could be healing for that with our words that cost us nothing. Again, you, you don't have to pass a test in order to do this. You don't have to have a diploma to do this. Just step into people's lives 
and speak gracious, generous words. We think that is such a small thing. But the Bible says it's not a small thing at all. And you know from your experience, when it has happened to you, it was never a small thing. When somebody encouraged you, it was never a small thing. They matter. Your words matter. God, I pray that you would remind us that you have given us the ability to be healing medicine in the lives of people. You have given us the ability to speak words that will soothe and heal and strengthen and give hope and inspire. And, and for a million reasons, we hold back on that. For a million reasons, we stop short of saying it or writing it or texting it or emailing it or calling and saying it when it's free. It's free to give away. It doesn't take a lot of time. And it matters so much. God, help us to, to be salt in the world, that our conversation would have the seasoning of grace to it, that you would use it to heal the wounds of the people around us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.